everyone. A brand new episode of Go Fact Yourself is coming right up. But first, we want to make sure you know about our next round of live audience shows coming up. We'd love to have you be there. First, we will be in Pasadena, California, near Los Angeles, at the KPCC Crawford Family Forum on Sunday, August 14th at 6 p.m. with scheduled guests Drew Carey and Jessica Salgado. Yes, then we'll be in Las Vegas, Nevada for two shows as part of the Game Show Boot Camp Weekend at the Hampton Inn Tropicana on Sunday, 21st at 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. with scheduled guests Game Show Legends from Jeopardy, Amy Schneider and James Holtzauer, Plus, from The Chase, Brandon Blackwell and Victoria Gross. Oh, man, watch those trivia experts battle it out live on stage. The show in Pasadena is Pay What You Wish, and the shows in Vegas are a charity fundraiser for Project 150. Not free, but tax deductible. Ooh, get that sweet tax deduct. (laughs) Uh, The links to all the tickets are at our website at gofactorpod.com. Thank you, and thanks for listening to Go Fact Yourself. Take it away, me. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, recording from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. Helen, let's get right into it. I understand you have an exciting milestone in the life of the baby that you were helping to raise. I cut baby Hong's hair myself. Wow. Yeah. Wait, was this was this Baby Hong's first haircut Baby ever? Baby Hong's first haircut ever. So Baby Hong has been overdue for a haircut. Uh, Baby Hong is 14 months old, and the hair is just stabbing their eyeballs. How are you giving haircuts, especially to what I imagine is not necessarily a very still uh, baby? I am a horrible haircutter. I learned how to cut my own hair during the pandemic, and uh, that's why I haven't been really leaving the house, because my hair is a mess. <laughs> but, like, after just, like, Watching this poor baby struggle without being able to see because the hair is in their eyes, I just went, mm-hmm. I snapped one day and I just, <laughs> did I consult a YouTube video tutorial? No, I did not. Did I, did I consult the internet on how to cut a baby's hair? No, I did not. I just, in a, I, I think in a blind rage, which is a bad way to cut a baby's hair, I just grabbed uh, some household scissors and I just snipped bangs and, uh, they look terrible. Look? They look terrible. Yeah. They oh look no. Terrible. <laughs> they look like- now, now, did you save the hair? Because I have a baby book, I think, in the garage that act- that still has my actual hair what? from my first haircut. I yeah, yeah. That was a thing for people. My age. Yeah. No. Oh well. Well, if you want some of mine, <laughs> I'm sure Baby Hung would enjoy that as well. I didn't to do it, and so I just dumped it in the trash. And uh, you know, the good news is Baby Hong can see. The bad mm-hmm. news is Baby Hong is most definitely being mocked at school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, co-parent of the year, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Well, today in Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. 
He is a comedian who has appeared on dozens of TV shows and whose one-hour comedy special, Show Your Work, is available to stream now. It's Christian Finnegan. Hello, Christian Finnegan. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. Wonderful to see you again. I believe we met uh, during our best week ever days in, uh, in yes, New York we City. Were... We were patient zero for everything that's wrong in the culture. (laughs) (laughs) It was interesting. I was thinking about that show that uh, we were sort of paid to make fun of celebrities on TV, whereas now I think you would just tweet about them. Yeah, Twitter totally killed that entire industry because it's just like any joke you could possibly... I mean, even late night shows can't even... You know, all the jokes are taken by the time you get to 11 o'clock. They certainly aren't going to wait until Friday night at 10. (laughs) Well, thank goodness they did way back then. Kristen, (laughs) you've done stand-up on almost every TV show there is. You've acted in shows like Are We There Yet and Chappelle Show. This special that Helen mentioned is called Show Your Work is uh, very personal to you. Yeah, it's mostly something that I did in 2020, back when we thought it was only going to be a one-year pandemic, Mm. uh, to sort of stop myself from going crazy. Because, you know, in addition to sort of you know, all of my road work drying up, obviously, because there were no live shows and things. My wife owns a performance venue in Astoria, Queens called QED Astoria. That had to shut down. So I kind of lost two jobs at once. And obviously trying to keep the lights on was a real struggle. And and so the special we, we, we did in the backyard of QED, 28 socially distanced, mostly masked people outside. So it's about... 80% stand-up, 20% mini-doc about what it's like trying to sort of keep a performance venue afloat during COVID. Knowing QED, knowing you, and knowing your wife, I think it's a real testament to that venue that you have such a strong core um, group of people who really support that venue. And the fact that it's still open now, you know, yeah. two and a half years into the... And it's a small venue in Queens. It's small, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, 50 is considered sold out. So, I mean, yeah, I it's... think that's... I think it's a great testament to the fact that you guys are still in existence. That you well, thank you. Yeah, no, I, it's it's something I'm, I'm super proud of, Cambry, my wife, for being able to consistently pull off. And, uh, and I'm proud of myself for running to go get bags of ice and taking out the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Every little bit helps. <laughs> uh, another project that uh, you started, I don't know at what point during the pandemic you did this, but uh, you have a new Substack news newsletter that you have and it's not about comedy it is not i'm one of those rare people who's you know i'm 49 and i still listen to a lot of new music and go through new release sections and entertain myself by finding new stuff and, and a lot of my peers people who loved going to see bands and were obsessed with music in their 20s they now have kids and all that and they just it's not easy to find new music anymore, and I spend a lot of my free time doing that. And so it's just a newsletter every couple of weeks, just like here's a few songs by either new or established artists that just came out that you might be into, and and then just sort of an excuse to sort of uh, make some music-related tomfoolery. It's, right. and, uh, it's, and what's it yeah. called? It's called New Music for Olds. and uh, <laughs> That speaks to me. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, newmusicforolds at .substack.com. Excellent. Oh, gosh. Is it going to make me feel old? I try. Well, I mean, you are. I mean, we all are. I mean, I, I, we should. I, I, I mean, I don't mean that personally, Helen, but I mean, Thank you, Christian. I, let's not avoid the realities of the situation. Uh, we're all marching towards that final conclusion. But, uh, but uh, you save, know, there's, like, there's no reason you can't have a new song that you love. Like, I yeah. feel like we think that's something that was just for our 20s. And the algorithms are such that you can get stuck in the same musical K-hole for 30 years because yeah. it'll just keep 
playing the same artists you've listened to forever. One of the great things, there's so many bad things about the way music is consumed now, but one of the good things is that it's never been easier to just find new stuff. You're like, oh, Afrobeat, what's that? And you can Mm. just listen to it, you know, or I want to listen to, you know, uh, Bulgarian folk music. You can do that. And nothing makes you feel younger than Bulgarian folk music. (laughs) Christian, last thing I want to ask you about, uh, like our other guests who we'll meet in a moment, you had an interest in journalism early on, and you actually interned at the Village Voice. I was curious what that experience was like. It was great. I mean, it was back when they had an actual newsroom. Mm -hmm. And uh, And a newspaper. I I don't know if our younger listeners are familiar with this concept. Actual paper, yes. It was amazing. I, I interned in the film department, and they let me do a few movie reviews. I thought for a while I was going to be a journalist, and then I realized that I don't write. Ah, enough. and that seems to be one of the <laughs> seems to be one of the seems key to be a pre, yeah, yeah. prerequisite. <laughs> Excellent. We're so happy that you joined us here today, Christian Finnegan. Thank you, Helen. Against whom will Christian be competing? She is a Peabody Award-winning anchor and correspondent for CNN, who covers national, political, and breaking news, and will host an upcoming podcast on CNN Audio. It's Audie Cornish. Hello, Audie Cornish. Hey, how are? That was my own applause. Oh, I just <laughs> we heard it. We yes. heard it. That's weird. Other times I've uh, heard you interviewed on the, on radio or on CNN. I don't recall you bringing your own applause, so I'm flattered that you bring it to you this know, program. Obviously, I've made the leap to television yeah. now, so I have new requirements. <laughs> That's just how I roll now. Personal applause machine, better lighting. Yes. We'll talk about your move to TV in a moment, but uh, you do have this upcoming podcast that Helen mentioned. And I saw you tweet recently, trying to name a podcast, appreciate your support during this difficult time. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, was completely serious. And then people really started responding. And I felt so sheepish because I wasn't trying to do like a bootleg crowdsource, Uh you know, like everyone said me free names, but then they did. And I just, this is why I love listeners. It's like we have such a friendship. Yeah, and did that prove helpful? So there was a lot of plays on Audi and audio, uh-huh. which, you know, uh-huh. I had thought of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so what What can you tell us about the podcast and does it have a name? It does not have a name yet. So it probably still won't by the time it's okay. <laughs> but, but But just to be um, clear, you were not soliciting more suggestions. No, okay. no, that's okay. That's okay. But I wanted to do something that was kind of people-centered. So it's actually pretty cool because I get to explore some things that you don't typically get to explore in a hard news environment. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you want to talk about the OnlyFans economy or like how faith affects people's vote. If you read the paper newspapers like me a little bit cowardly, you sort of start <laughs> from the back and then you finally make it to the front where it's kind of the four horsemen. I'm still hung up on the OnlyFans economy. Like, I, I'm like, Ooh. Audie, you have a very well-earned reputation as a great interviewer. Uh, what is your thinking on how to do a good interview? Uh, my thing about... Inter- and is this one of them? Um, this is, how about this? It's different kinds, right? What I try and do is I try and decide what the interview is about in one word. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And then I kind of keep pursuing that theme. You know, sometimes people are in their body of work exploring issues of trauma or Mm. friendship. There's usually kind of like a one or two word thing that I can say Mm -hmm. because you can't tell all the stories all at once. That's the trick to interviewing. 
You got to just kind of decide and follow your curiosity. And I think you guys are great at that. Thank you so much. That's oh. what we were looking for. Yes. I'm putting this on my resume. You had a long time at NPR uh, hosting Weekend Edition and All Things Considered. What have been sort of the biggest changes moving to CNN besides, I guess, not having to ask your viewers for money? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Pants. You know, that's been interesting. Pants. Just You know, the biggest thing has been for me, because I made the leap in part because I had plateaued, so to speak, in my own personal Mm. skills. I felt like, okay, I've interviewed a lot of people. I feel like I've cracked the code to a certain point and I want to learn something new. Mm. So sort of to Christian's point about the olds, (laughs) to me, the way to not be olds is to learn new skills. New skills for olds. I think new skills got your for letter. olds. That'll be the name of yeah. my podcast. Uh, actually, okay, we, we got, got it. it. Boom, we got another one. Boom. Hey. Good job. Good job. But only well. if you spell skills with a Z. <laughs> Come on. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about is uh, you moved to CNN around the time that I believe the plan was for you to have a show on CNN Plus, and you kind of got caught up in, in that uh, not working out. But you had made some shows for them. Is that right? Is that something that we get to see? No. Oh, no. <laughs> You make plans and God laughs, you know, I was like marching into the new year like Mr. Peanut, just here's my plans. And then the narrator was like, but that would not be the plan. Um, (laughs) Little did she know. (laughs) But it's been good. It's been good. You know, I think there was a point in my life when writing out things that go wrong would have been just so traumatizing, you know, just like, dear journal, what I really thought. And now I'm like, hey, you know what? It's cool. We're going to learn something else. So it's an adventure. And I think what's been really awesome in the age of social media is like I'm bringing so many people with me. Now I just feel like I I have a whole new kind of connection with people who've been listeners for a long time. And it starts with pants. It <laughs> at least ones that aren't just like a tie or like elastic around the waist. Yeah, that's a hard that's, pant, I believe it's yeah, called. That's really yeah, that's really been the part yeah. that TV has brought to me. Well, CNN is known for their hard-hitting news and their hard pants. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're thrilled to have you with us. Audie Cornish, everybody. Audie and Christian, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Christian, you said you know a lot about 1980s MTV, the 1993 to 2022 New York Knicks basketball teams, <laughs> and the movie Better Off Dead. I should have been that specific. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. There's, 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 there's some specificity here. Yeah. Whereas, Audie, you said you know a lot about 60s and 70s vintage Stax Records music. Ethan Hawke movies and dystopias, which some would use to describe the New York Knicks basketball teams from that era. Uh, sorry, I couldn't resist. I couldn't. Low blow, <laughs> low but accurate. Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our "What's the Difference" round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today. Broken down. First up is Christian. Christian, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactorpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, play it. Hi, Jay, Keith, and Helen, and guests. This is Amy from New York State, and my question for What's the Difference is, While they both mean your waist is going to be broken down, what's the difference between biodegradable and compostable? Thanks so much for an awesome show. 
Oh, thanks so much for an awesome question, Amy. Uh, all right, Christian, you heard her. What is the difference between biodegradable and compostable? Good boy. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I am going to say that compostable means it is organic material, okay. uh, like like food and whatnot. And biodegradable means that there are created substances. They're, they're not organic. Whatever the opposite of organic is. I'm not okay. very smart. In, inorganic, uh, maybe? <laughs> yes, inorganic, okay. sure. That then uh, degrade over a longer period of time. Over a longer period of time. All right, we've got Christian's answer. We don't know yet if he is entirely correct. Audie, what do you think? Yeah, I think I would have said something similar. Just biodegradable means that it will degrade over time, but maybe not go away completely. And compostable is organic materials that will go back dust to dust. Is that sciencey? It, it sounds more Bible-y than sciencey, but uh, <laughs> we're open to all different kinds here. All right. Well, this segment is decomposing. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Biodegradable products are designed to break down into mostly harmless components, usually in a landfill, but they sometimes leave behind a permanent residue. Compostable products are designed to break down completely when in a proper composting environment. All they leave behind is a soil-enhancing substance called humus. So a biodegradable thing decays. A compostable thing decays into something useful. That is right, of course. Compostable products are designed to be broken down in a specific environment, like a compost pile or an industrial composter. Humus is the end product of composting after all the organic matter has decomposed. Now, that humus is very helpful to feeding your garden, whereas hummus is very helpful to feeding your party guests. Helen, how did our guests do? I, uh, you know, as much as I love both of you. Yeah. I think you both bombed out on this one. Oh, yeah. Yes. No points there, but it's fun to learn, perhaps. All right. Uh, up next in Broken Down is Audie. Audie, when something is broken down, it might need to be fixed or repaired. But what is the difference between fix and repair? Fix and repair. Okay, that's that's the same thing. Okay, so you're saying it's a trick question. We waited until episode 109 to ask her what's the difference that has no difference. Yeah, sorry, friends. <laughs> okay, well, I'm planting my flag on that is the same thing. All right. You were, you were uh, nothing No one's not ever determined. done that before on this show? Is this like a conscientious objection? Uh, yeah, you really is. <laughs> I believe you were the first to say there is no difference. Oh. Uh, despite the fact that the, the segment is called What's the Difference? <laughs> All right. We have Audie's answer. Technically, Christian, what do you think? I would say that fixing something means that you are making something functional again, and repairing something means to return it to the way it was originally. Okay, we've got Christian's answer. This segment is falling into disrepair. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. There are a couple of key differences. First, you fix an entire thing, but you repair a component of that thing. For example, mm. you want to fix the toilet, so you repair the ball cock valve. I'm sorry, the what? The ball cock valve. <laughs> okay. I was just now years old when I learned that ball cock valve is a real thing. I'm not making this up. This is a real thing that is part of your toilet. Mm -hmm. It's what they used to call me in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, what about repair? Next, repair has more permanence than fix. You might fix something with a piece of tape, but you repair something by replacing the broken thing you taped with a new one. And if you restore something to its original condition, that's a repair. 
if you just get it to work again, that's a fix. Also, yes. ball cock valve. Thank you so much, Helen. That is correct. Uh, fix can also mean to assemble, especially with consumables, like you fix a sandwich or fix a cocktail. You can also fix your hair or clothes by reassembling them. But no matter how much I fix my hair and clothes, it doesn't repair my poor self-esteem. Helen, how did our guest do? Christian, I think I'm going to give you one point. Because, I think I deserve one point. <laughs> yeah, I think you do too because you you did get the uh, the difference making functional as opposed to returning to original. You got that part, but you didn't get the component versus yes. the whole thing. So I'm going to give you one point, Christian. All right, very good. And what is our score at the end of that round, Helen? At the end of that round, Christian Finnegan has one point and Audie Cornish has zero points. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's Will all up they, ahead though? when we come back. Well, <laughs> well being very, optimist, very yeah, optimistic. I like it. Those scores could change as we move on to questions about topics <laughs> our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, it's summertime. Yes, it is. You know what that means to me? It means grilled meats. <laughs> and for people who don't eat meats, maybe uh, fish or uh, other things. Helen, you eat fish and, and chickens? I do. I do. Yeah. I, eat chick- I, eat, I eat animals that don't have four legs. Well, no matter what type of meat or fish or seafood you, our listeners, enjoy, you will enjoy it more grilling it this summer with ButcherBox. ButcherBox, the subscription service that delivers high-quality meat and seafood right to your doorstep. And they deliver it so conveniently, it arrives frozen. But that doesn't mean it's like some frozen meat you can get at your grocery store. This is high-quality meats that they source and package right to your home. Every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. Free shipping for the continental U.S. Enjoy delicious 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Customize your own box or go with one of theirs. Either way, you get exactly what you want. Yeah, I love the convenience, the cost, the quality of ButcherBox. So get summer sizzling started with this special ButcherBox deal for our listeners. Free bacon for life of your membership plus what $100 off yeah sign up today at butcherbox.com slash go fact and use code bonus 100 to get one pack of free bacon in every box for the life of your membership plus $100 off your first order Helen what is that link that's butcherbox.com slash go fact and use code bonus 100 to claim this deal Thank, Thank you, Butcher, Butcher Box. Hey there, quick favor to ask. Will you help us out by taking a five-minute survey at MaximumFun.org survey? As you know, most of the support for MaxFun comes directly from folks like you, but many of our shows and our network also rely on limited advertising for some revenue. This survey helps us attract advertisers that are a good fit for the audiences of our shows, and it helps many of our hosts secure a bit of extra income. It should only take a few minutes to complete, and you'll get a discount at MaxFun store when you do. That's MaximumFun.org survey. Thanks. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Christian Finnegan and Audie Cornish. 
Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Christian, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about 1980s MTV, the 1993 to 2022 New York Knicks, and the movie Better Off Dead. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what 1980s MTV means to you. Well, I would say that the original five VJs were sort of surrogate parents of mine. (laughs) Uh, I just would come home every day and watch MTV all day, all night. I actually won a car on VH1's Name That Video in 2001. Yes, I won a Toyota 4Runner for my music video knowledge. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Did you get the car? I I didn't have a driver's license uh, (laughs) because I was was living in New York. you're a New Yorker. Yeah, so I sold it back to Toyota, and it got me out of my rat-infested apartment, and... uh, Saved my life, quite literally. That is a really cool story. All right, Kristen, you also said you know a lot about the 1993 to 2022 New York Knicks. I got in right at the worst time. I I had a friend who was a dancer on the the Knicks dance squad, and I wasn't a sports fan at all growing up, Mm. but she got me into a playoff game in 1993, which is right when they were about to crest and sort of be a, a real powerhouse in the NBA, and it got me hooked. And then it has been pure despair ever since. (laughs) And I will not. My wife begs me to stop caring. And I know that I can't because I know the minute I stop caring is when they'll become great again. And so it's a very Catholic thing. I I deserve it. (laughs) I deserve the pain. Are you mad at this friend? It's like she introduced you to heroin. Yeah, and I don't even know. Like I knew, I knew her for maybe six months of my life, and then so so it's like she just lit the fuse on a on a <laughs> stick of dynamite and handed and it ran. to me and then left. Wow. <laughs> and finally, Christian, you said you know a lot about the movie Better Off Dead. I've always loved that movie, and in the early days of cable, I think they only had about the rights to like six movies, and it was like Better Off Dead, Beastmaster, starring Mark Singer. FX mm-hmm. with Brian Dennehy and I think and Eddie Murphy Delirious and I think that's they played those on a loop constantly so I have just absorbed a lot about Better Off Dead over the years and it's it's still a classic what do you like about it so much to me you know it, it's it's got a great absurdist angle to it you know it's obviously it's a rom-com and it follows sort of the rom-com conventions but it's got a very kind of surreal affect to it that's sort of influenced by sort of John Landis and in a lot of those kind of early body sex comedies, but it's not a sex comedy. All right. Well, to summarize, Christian, you said you know a lot about 1980s MTV, the 1993 to 2022 New York Knicks, and the movie Better Off Dead. Today, we're going to quiz you about the movie Better Off Dead. All right. Now, for those of our listeners who are unfortunate enough not to be familiar with the movie, can you just quickly explain what the movie is? A tragic tale of a young Lane Myers who... uh, is dumped by his girlfriend, who he's obsessed with, and decides he wants to kill himself, and tries in many hilarious ways. Back when that this, <laughs> yeah. this seemed like a perfectly fine plot for a wacky comedy. Yeah. And then meets a French exchange student who has moved in with his uh, neighbors across the street, and they fall in love. Uh, they they learn, uh, they take language lessons, as the, the quote in the movie, the language of love. And it's filled with just sort of random, sort of weird characters, not all of which have aged terribly well <laughs> over the past we may get 30 into years. That. Yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, better than a lot of movies of its that's era. That's true. That's true. And the era, of course, this came out, I believe, in 1985. Yeah. And it's just it's just one of those movies that's kind of like endlessly rewatchable mm-hmm. for me. Do you have a favorite line, scene, or gag from the movie? My best friend, who later became my stepbrother, his mom married my dad. And so we were stepbrothers for about 20 years. Oh, wow. And we watched that movie a lot together. And so there's just so many things right. that you know 
do they have Christmas in France? Right. You know, just all these random <laughs> things that we say to each other, you know, truly a sight to behold, you yeah. know, just all these sort of random quotes from the movie. I think the one that everybody knows, well, and I don't want to spoil a question, but okay, I'm sure well, that then... the one that everybody knows is I want my $2. Right. Roy Stalin, in my opinion, is the best 80s bad guy in mm-hmm. all of the sort of 80s comedies. All right. Well, uh, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, Christian, here are five trivia questions about Better Off Dead, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint at any two of these five questions. Now, Audie, do listen closely because if Christian answers incorrectly, you can steal. Audie, by the way, how much do you know about the movie Better Off Dead? It's so amazing. I know absolutely nothing about this. Oh, okay. (laughs) Me too. In my cultural blind spot. Interesting. Uh, All right. So I look forward to just saying wild things that are completely unrelated to the subject matter. (laughs) So I I I think I'm a bit older than both Audie and Helen, and I think it is a generational thing because you know there's certain movies that if they come out when you're between 12 and 15 years old, you just know them by heart. And if they come out a couple years on either side of that, they might mean nothing to you. All right. Well, here is question number one. A recurring bit in the movie, possibly problematic, is Lane, played by John Cusack, being challenged to a car race by two Asian gentlemen, one of whom does not speak at all, the other who speaks almost exactly like which legendary ABC sports broadcaster? It's he, he learned English by watching The Wild World of Sports. And so he talks like Howard Cosell. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. You did not need the hint, but I know, Helen, you were eager to give the hint for this. Helen, what would that hint have been? (laughs) He was born Howard William Cohen. That is Helen's very Howard Cosell. Very, very nice. What do you think? Uh, I, I, I practice. I was like, this sounds really like like a Jewish grandpa. But... Yeah, which Howard Cosell was. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Fun fact, though, actor Yuji Okamoto said the lines during the shooting of the film. His voice was later dubbed by another legend, impressionist Rich Little. Rich Little providing the voice wow. of Howard Cosell. All right, question number two. I have a feeling you might get this one. Throughout the film, Lane is pursued by a paperboy who demands payment of a debt for four weeks or 20 newspapers, totaling, plus tip, the amount of what? $2. If people know anything from that movie, it's probably the paperboy kid. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Fun fact, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, that $2 in 1985 would be worth $5.62 today. So in the remake, you can look forward to someone shouting, I want my $5.62! It doesn't roll off the tongue. It does not. It does not. All right, you're two for two. Here's question number three. The movie's title refers to Lane believing that his life is so bad he'd be better off dead. This leads him to several darkly comedic failed attempts at ending his life. But which one of the following is not one of those attempts? Is it dousing in flammable liquid, hanging, inhaling car exhaust, electrocution, or falling from a bridge. I know he doused himself with flammable liquid because then Ricky's mother drinks drinks it and blows her face up. Mm-hmm. I know he tried to hang himself because he did and nobody cared. I'm going to say electrocution is the one he did not do. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Wow. Very nice. Thank Fun you. fact, or rather important fact to anyone listening, you are never, of course, better off dead. If you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, please reach out for help. In the U.S., you can call or text the brand new nationwide Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. That's 988. All right, Christian, you are three for three. You still have your two hints available. Here is question number four. 
The movie has a great soundtrack of both existing hits and original songs. One of those original songs is performed live on stage at a school dance and contains the lyric, Better Off Dead. But that is not the title of the song. What is that song's title? Oh, gosh. I, boy. I know who the artist is. Mm -hmm. I know who the singer is. Uh, E.G. Daly from uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I think I'm going to request a hint. All right, Helen, how about that first hint? <clears throat> it's not called Two-Way Hate. I'm going to say One-Way Love. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Oh, Excellent use of the hint, Christian. <laughs> Fun fact, as you'd mentioned, that song is sung by Elizabeth Daly, later better known as E.G. Daly, who's the voice of several animated shows and Dottie in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. In the closing credits, Elizabeth Daly is listed as playing herself. All right, you're four for four. You have a chance to go five for five. Here is your fifth question. Much of the plot centers on Lane's desire to make the ski team, which is captained by his rival Roy, who is now dating Lane's ex, Beth. To be considered for the team, Lane must ski down the K-12 ski run under a certain time. How many seconds must Lane beat in order to qualify? And we'll give it to you within five seconds either way. Oh, boy. Um, I think I have to go for hint number two. Helen, how about that second hint? In minutes, it's point nine six 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 six. You guys get it. I think we do get the idea. Yes, point nine six 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 minutes. What would that come out to in seconds? Oh my gosh! I'm gonna say fifty nine seconds. Helen. That is correct. That is correct. 58 is the actual answer, and you got it within five. In fact, you got it within one. Congratulations, Christian. You are five for five. Thank you. I appreciate that, and that's about as close to getting a math question right as I've ever ever, ever (laughs) done. All right. Well, here now is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Christian, though Lane spends much of the movie hung up on Beth, he eventually discovers the beautiful French exchange student Monique living across the street and decides to woo her. For up to three points, where does Lane take Monique for a romantic candlelit dinner? What is Monique's last name? And who played Monique? I know he takes her to the restaurant where he works. He he opens the he unlocks the door and mm-hmm. uh, he plays saxophone for her. I've been arrested by you. Take me in. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a good enough answer. R- Monique's last name. Oh, boy. I'm guessing it was something very French sounding. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say Baudelaire. Baudelaire. Monique Baudelaire. All right. And this was played by Ms. Diane Franklin. All right. Well, Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an actor who's appeared in several iconic movies, including The Last American Virgin, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and as Monique in Better Off Dead, it's Diane Franklin. Hello, Diane Franklin. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) She's got the outfit. She has the outfit. Yes. Hello, Diane. Thank you for joining us. I was gonna. I thought we were gonna have to point out your outfit to Christian, but he recognized it right away. Tell us what you're wearing there. I am very honored. I will talk with a French dialect. Thank you very much, Christian. Fantastic! Wow. Yes, that is the iconic outfit that you wore in the movie. You you got to keep that, huh? Or is that a recreation? Uh, no. This is the actual original. And Christian, I'm just gonna mention this because this is hilarious. And by the way, um, Audie, pleasure to meet you. I actually have a book based on this. So those of you who don't know. 
Yes, you can get the book too. Mm-hmm. So, merci buckets for remembering the <laughs> I have to say that when uh, Jake Keith and Helen, like they told me the format of the show and they say, then we bring on an expert, I was like, I hope they pick Brad Off Dead. And I hope that it's Diane Franklin. I swear to I like I was I was hoping this was going to be the case. It's it's, you know, such a great performance and it's such a pivotal piece of that chunk of my life. And so uh I, I'm honored to meet you, however, digitally. Merci. Merci Bucket. <laughs> Very sweet. Well, Diane, uh, you not only have written a book about your time on this movie, this is actually the third book that you've written. It is called The Excellent Comedy of the Last American French Exchange Babe of the 80s, a.k.a. The Better Off Dead Tribute Book. And it just came out. People can get it uh, wherever they get books. The first one you did was called The Excellent Adventures of That Person. The second was called The Excellent Curls. So what, what, tell us what will people find in this, uh, in this new book, The Excellent Comedy of the Last American French Exchange Babe of the 80s. This book has all the behind-the-scenes information that everyone wishes that they had had like you know in a blu-ray mm. but and savage steve holland wrote so much and he's the writer director of the of the film yes thank you uh, writer director savage steve holland wrote so much and i just put this book together for people actually like audie who like don't know anything about it and then if you watch the film and you can get the backstory and you can hear about all the characters and Christian definitely understands that this is a cult favorite and that people watch mm-hmm. this over and over again every year. And I have had people come to me and said that they love the movie. And that's what inspired me to write the book. Oh, that's wonderful. I can say I, I am amazed and insulted that you are able to wear the original outfit for the film, considering that I am incapable of wearing the clothes that I had before COVID started. <laughs> so I take it as a point of personal insult. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, I do lots of language lessons and practice. Oh. <laughs> I ski the K-12, so I stay fit. Yeah. Um. I want to ask you about some of that because uh, this role seemed to require many skills, and I'm wondering how much of those you had already or how many you had to develop for the film. For instance, did you speak French? Uh, you know, high school French really helps. Yes. <laughs> when they tell you to take classes in school, take them, learn a language. And I mm-hmm. also do ski, but definitely not the, the uh, ski... Olympics. Yes, yeah, sort of the acrobatics that they had in there. Yeah, yeah. What about accurately throwing fruit at a street sign? Is that something that came naturally to you? Oh, no. Actually, that's a good question. I actually was the worst thrower in the United <laughs> States. Like, I mean, the worst. I mean, like, I, I didn't have a brother. I didn't know, like, you know, no one taught me how to do it. So actually on set, all the crew, like the people in the crew were like, okay, Diane, you got to hold the ball like this. You got to throw it like this. So it's actually the crew from Better Off Dead taught me how to throw the ball. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> well, speaking of which, I won't ruin it for people who have not seen it, but uh, Dodger Stadium plays a big role in the film. There's a scene that takes place there. You actually got to return to Dodger Stadium and do something that I've always wanted to do. You got to sing the national anthem at a baseball game. What was that like? Actually, what's so funny is when they asked me to sing, they first mm-hmm. said to me, we're, we're not quite sure if we're going to have you sing the French anthem or the American anthem. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I felt a little uncomfortable about singing the French anthem. I don't know. It was kind of weird. So I was really excited to be able to sing the American anthem. And I have like more of an operatic singing voice. So it was really special. Very cool. Um, you've called the role that you had in Better Off Dead, despite everything that you've done in your long career, that, that it's a beloved role. It's your most beloved role. What about it made it your most beloved role? I mean, it was a role that was just a great role model for for people, for girls. And I just love playing the character. I mean, Savage Steve Holland originally wanted to see me for the role of Beth Christian. I think he mm-hmm. didn't think I was going to have people who uh, would believe I was a nice person. <laughs> I, I just went in and convinced 
against him. I'm like, I'm sorry. This is who I, I can totally play this character. So it exists. You mentioned that it became a cult classic. You actually go to conventions and do events now and, and, and you meet people. And I imagine different generations people of now who, who've seen it. When, when did you first realize that, uh, you know, because it had this initial release in theaters. When did you first realize that, oh, this is becoming a real cultural phenomenon for, for the people who love it as much as Christian does? I have to say, I think what happened was I started, I do all kinds of conventions. I do horror conventions, comic conventions, celebrity conventions. And I went to the horror conventions and at the horror conventions, everybody wanted Better Off Dead. I thought they were going to come for other films, but they mm. loved Better Off Dead. And that, I think that was the first time I went, wow, like this film really has affected a lot of people. And it's a feel-good film. And a lot of people watch it over and over again mm. at Christmas. Very cool. And of course, you're still out there working. You've got a bunch of upcoming movies and shows that people can see on Hulu and Peacock. Anything you're particularly excited for people to see? I've got films that are on Hulu and think now I've got Ted Bundy, American Boogeyman, mm. right out now. That's a little not quite better off dead, a little scarier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Amityville Murders is out now. I have a movie with Jennifer Tilly, who is a dear friend of mine, and Tom Arnold, and the late Cloris Leachman. And this movie is called High Holiday, and it's out on um, Hulu, I think. It'll be also probably brought up around Christmas as well. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Christian. First, we wanted to know, where does Lane take Monique for a romantic candlelit dinner in the movie Better Off Dead? Helen, what did Christian say? Christian couldn't pull the name, but he said it was the restaurant where Lane works, where he unlocks the door with his keys. And Diane? Oh, Christian, it remembers like this pig burger. Pig oh, burger. It was pig burger. Okay. Yes. I wasn't sure if he still worked at pig burger at the time. Yeah. That's why they have the great animation with the, everybody wants them for Van Halen. I should have known pig burger. All right. Oh, I'm so so, mad at so he, you got it, but maybe not the name. Uh, Diane, do you want to give him a half a point on that or none? It's up to you. I will give him a half a point. A half a point for Christian. That's what I deserve. Uh, next, we wanted to know, we'll see how generous you are with this one. What was Monique's <laughs> last name? Helen, what did Christian say? Christian said Baudelaire. And Diane? It is Jeunot. Monique Jeunot. Yes, but there's an interesting fact that I actually pointed out to you uh, yesterday when we spoke. Tell us about that. So in the film, my name is Monique Jeunot. But in the credits, it's written Monique Jeunet, which is J-U-N-E-T instead of O-T. So the names were kind of confusing. So I have to say, because it was confusing anyway with the name in the credit Mm -hmm. and and I say Jeunot in the film, I'm going to give you a half a point for that. Half you. a point for Baudelaire. I, wow. Thank Did not you. see that coming. I will take all unfair point you, allotments. You, you really do love your fans, don't you, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> and finally wanted to know who was it that played Monique? Helen, what did Christian say? Christian said Diane Franklin. And? Well, you got it right. Perfect. Magnifique. Let's get some language lessons. <laughs> c'est toi, c'est toi. Awesome. It's so wonderful that you joined us. Christian, is there anything else you'd like to say to our expert or ask while we have her here? I would like to uh, just rub it in the face of my ex-stepbrother, still best friend, Matt McCracken, who's in Massachusetts right now, eating his heart out. And uh, screw you, Matt. I got to meet Matt Diane Franklin. You didn't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yes, isn't it, isn't it an honor to be <laughs> to be to be the ammunition between stepbrothers? <laughs> Diane, it's so wonderful that you joined us. If people want to find out more about you or what you're up to, where can they do that? You can uh, go to Diane Franklin eighty on Twitter, actress Diane Franklin on Instagram, and on Facebook. It, that's a little tricky because my Facebook account is full, and I'm like I'm got like a thousand people in the waiting list. So go to Diane Franklin official Facebook and. That's me as well, but it's a site where I go to also. So look for a, a Diane Franklin official 
fan Facebook, something like something that. like that. Uh, you'll, something see, like that. you'll see my book covers on it. Excellent. And, and check out the book uh, at her website or wherever you get books. It was so wonderful that you joined us. Thank you so much. It's Diane Franklin. Thank you very much. And uh, it was a pleasure meeting everybody here. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Christian Finnegan has eight points and Audie Cornish has zero points with a round of questions for Audie coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Audie about a topic she knows about. Plus later, Christian and Audie will go head to head in our fast facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact yourself um jay keith shouldn't there be an ad here well helen this is an ad it is kind of it's an ad for an ad survey uh an ad for an ad survey yeah you see max fun shows have always relied on support from our members and always will and in addition to that generous support which we appreciate so so much our network and many of our shows rely on advertising for some additional income so every year max fun runs a survey to get a better picture of our audience now this survey will help us learn more about you our listening audience and demonstrate our value to a wider variety of advertisers the goal is to deliver ads that are more relevant and interesting to you and provide more income to our show. It's a really quick survey. We'll be collecting information anonymously and aggregating it, so don't worry about your privacy there. Just please take a five-minute break from your day and fill it out if you can. And also, if you complete the survey, you'll get 10% off of merch at the Max Fun store, plus our gratitude. Just go to MaximumFun.org survey. Helen, what's that link? MaximumFun.org survey. Thank you, Maximum Fun Ad Survey. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. <laughs> Tune in to hear about low stakes neighborhood drama, gardening, the sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle, hot sauce, addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture, and the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it no matter how gross. <laughs> There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby Geniuses, hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Christian Finnegan and Audie Cornish. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. All right, Audie, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about 60s and 70s vintage Stax records, Ethan Hawke movies, and dystopias. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what 60s and 70s vintage Stax records means to you. I had heard the music like everyone else, but I really came to understand the history when I was a news reporter in Tennessee. They have a fantastic museum out there for people who are driving through. Please go. Stax was sort of the flip side of Motown. Stax brought the attitude, whereas Motown was about polish, at least in those early days. Cool. So not just the music itself, but also the history and, and uh, the message. Yeah, yeah. I'm like that in general. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. I like I like ideas. I, I like things that sort of like explode ideas and make you look at things differently. Excellent. All right. You also said you know a lot about Ethan Hawke movies. Tell us about that. There's no good reason to this. I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you. It's a little bit like uh, you wake up one day and you're a completist. You know what I mean? Like Mm. there's a gateway drug like Reality Bites and then Gattaca. And then all of a sudden you're watching like his version of Hamlet. 
or, <laughs> you know, then like before the devil knows you're dead, which is a classic, by the way. It's a great little yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. And then you're watching the Showtime series that he's doing. And that's so I think it's one of those things where sometimes with artists, you grow up with them. As also a fan of Ethan Hawke movies, he's done so many. And like, I was just telling my sister, like, oh, have you ever seen that Ethan Hawke movie about vampires where he's a vampire? And she's like, yeah, I think Ethan it's called Hawke Daybreakers. Movie? It's so good. And I'm like, it's a great movie <laughs> yeah, exactly. and nobody talks about it's it. It's not talked about enough. Yeah. So like he's done every genre. Yeah. Like uh, OK, good. I don't have to be embarrassed. <laughs> All right. And then finally, Audie, you said you know a lot about dystopias. You start with, you know, 1984 or something like that in high school. And then you just kind of mm-hmm. keep doing it. You know what I mean? You keep picking them up. For most of us, dystopias are awesome. And science fiction is amazing. Genre is amazing. Because, uh, again, ideas driven, right? It's like, what mm. if the world was X? What if the world was Y? Mm. And mm. creative people dive into the what ifs in a way that mm-hmm. I think other kinds of fiction sort of nod at but don't actually commit to. All right. Well, to summarize, Audie, you said you know a lot about 60s and 70s vintage stacks records, Ethan Hawke movies, and dystopias. Today, we're going to quiz you about 60s and 70s vintage stacks okay, records. Okay, let's get it. Now, for those of our listeners who don't know, can you briefly describe what Stax is for those uh, who are not at familiar? Oh, Stax Records is a kind of Southern soul music, Memphis-based record label. And I think it got started in the late 50s, like 57, 58, around there. And it had a bunch of hits that people like don't realize they know, but they do know. Mm-hmm. And probably one of their best known stars from that period would be Otis Redding. And uh, do you have a favorite uh, artist or a favorite song from that era? I love Otis Redding. So I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Also, like Booker T, the MGs, like at the time, this was very, you know, forward thinking. It was like interracial, instrumental rhythm and house you know Mm -hmm. band like and i think sometimes people look at that period in music as being a little bit silly but it's actually pretty great well just ahead we're going to enlist the help of an expert in your topic but before that to give you a chance to show off here are five trivia questions about it each worth one point now if you want it you're allowed a total of two hints among these five questions now christian do listen closely because you can steal if audie gets any wrong christian by the way how much do you know about vintage 60s and 70s stacks records fan not an expert but i have been to the the museum and it is fantastic it was the highlight of the worst comedy road weekend of my career (laughs) 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 <laughs> but it made it all worth it. Yeah, so I'm a big fan, but certainly not an expert. Uh, and how about those music videos they did, huh? Oh, the, off the charts. <laughs> well, you know, you Literally. did have, you know, Ducky dancing around. Too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. All right, Audie, here's question number one. I have a feeling you're going to know this one. Listeners are probably familiar with Stax Records, even if they don't realize it, because of Stax's star artist, who's sitting on the dock of the bay, went to number one on the pop and R&B charts and won two Grammy Awards. Who was this legendary artist whose other work on Stax included These Arms of Mine and Try a Little Tenderness? Otis Redding? Helen? That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a, I thought that was a slam dunk. No, it is. But it was like, wait, is this too obvious? Like, what am I? Yeah, no, no, no. It's a question number <laughs> yeah, one. Okay. It's a question number yeah, one. Yeah, got it's it. obvious. Fun fact, Otis Redding was posthumously inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where they actually display part of the airplane in which he died, which I find rather unsettling. Yeah, but is on brand for that uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> community. All right, here's question number two. I think you might know this one as well. Because of its incredible contribution to soul music, Stax Records became known as Soulsville, USA. But the Tennessee city where Stax Records was located already had a name. What is it? Uh, Not a nickname. What's the city? 
Oh, the actual city. Oh, okay, Memphis. Ellen? Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. No, we might we might have made that more complicated. I thought I needed to know like Memphis's cool nickname. Yeah, no, no, like, no, no. which I couldn't. Yeah. No, that's for the fun fact. Fun fact: other nicknames for Memphis include Bluff City, Home of the Blues, and Grind City. As both you and Christian mentioned, you can now visit the Stax Museum there, which I highly recommend. I made a pilgrimage there myself uh, and did not find it unsettling. All right, you're two for two, Audie. Here's question number three. In 1973, people around the world got to see a filmed concert featuring many Stax music artists like the Staple Singers, the Dramatics, Eddie Floyd, and Carla Thomas, as well as some special guests like Richard Pryor and Jesse Jackson. Filmed in Los Angeles to commemorate the anniversary of the Watts riots, what is the name of this concert and film? Oh, yeah, it's like Watts Stax. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It's Watt Stacks. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, that concert took place at the L.A. Coliseum. The stage couldn't be built until the night before the show because the L.A. Rams, who played there at the time, had a preseason game on the field, which they lost 34 to 9. Audio you're three for three. Here's question number four. You still have your hints available. You could describe songs on Stacks as soulful or perhaps as funky. That was especially true for Rufus Thomas, who between 1968 and 1971 had several singles released with the word funky in the title. But which of the following was not one of them? Was it Funky Mississippi, Funky Way, Do the Funky Chicken, Do the Funky Penguin, or Do the Funky Potato? <laughs> so much funky. Um, yes, one of my favorite questions to write, by the way. <laughs> and th these were just between 68 and 71. I know, I know. This is good. It's funny. I can't remember. Like, he was called, like, the oldest teenager. He had this, like, really sort of cheeky nickname. Uh, Chicken is real. Wait, what were the other ones? The other ones were Funky Mississippi, Funky Way, Do the Funky Chicken, Do the Funky Penguin, or Do the Funky Potato. It's probably not potato. You want to make that your guess? Yeah, I'm going to say not potato. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very Yay. nicely deduced, Audie Cornish. Funky Potato was one that we made up. Fun fact, or rather funky fact, all of the songs that we mentioned, besides Do the Funky Potato, which we made up, can be found on the box set, The Complete Stax Volt Soul Singles Volume 2. On Volume 3, which is from 1972 to 1975, Rufus added Funky Robot and The Funky Bird. You could not stop that nice. man from being funky. No, but for the record, you know, yeah. you could do the mashed potato. Like mashed right. potatoes were on the mind. Like that yep. was in the uh, the atmosphere. Yes, that's why. Uh, that's what. That's what I was putting. Well it. Yes. played in that question writing. Very well done. Very well he done. He was awesome. very. Uh, he was into funky fowl. Huh? He, yeah. Like the funky chicken, the funky penguin. Mm -hmm. funky... Every, everyone had a funk gimmick back then, okay? Yes. Yeah, whatever worked. Whatever You find one thing and you go with it. Yeah. All right, you're four for four, Audie. Here's question number five. As mentioned earlier, Richard Pryor and Jesse Jackson were special guests at Watt Stacks. They were also, in a way, Stacks Records artists, with each having albums released on sub labels of Stacks. What were these labels? I feel like there was one called, like, Volt. Mm hmm. But what would Jesse Jackson be on? So do you mean when they were sub-brands or when they were connected with Atlantic Records? Like where no, are they, we? these were sub-brands of Stax. I think Stax's affiliation with Atlantic continued during during this time. Oh, oh. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use your second hint. Let me take the second hint then. That's fine. Helen, how about that second hint? One of these labels shared a name with a huge hit for Aretha Franklin. The other was what the Beastie Boys encouraged you to fight for your right to do. Uh, 
Respect and party. Helen? That is correct. Audie Cornish is also five for five. Congratulations, Audie. That's right. No, no. I really didn't know this. Yeah. How did you find this out? We do a little research here. You know, oh we, don't my have, gosh. we don't have a staff of uh, CNN researchers, but uh, we have Google. <laughs> I don't remember this from yes. the museum. Yes, Jesse Jackson put his label out on Respect. Richard Pryor was on Party Records. It's P-A-R-T-E-E. Oh. Fun fact, other labels associated with Stax Records include Volt, as you mentioned, Ardent, Enterprise, Satellite, Coco, and Truth. Richard Pryor's album on Party Records sold over 500,000 copies, was a hit on the Billboard music charts, and won a Grammy Award. Audie, you obviously did very well in that round, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Perhaps one of the most lasting legacies of Stax Records was left by a singing duo who had a string of hit songs that have become soul music classics. Those songs include Hold On, I'm Coming, When Something Is Wrong With My Baby, I Thank You, and their most successful song, Heard Here. Give this a listen. For up to three points, who is one of the credited songwriters on all of these songs that I've mentioned who won an Oscar and a Grammy for another Stax song from 1971? Next, what Stax artist known as the Stax house band plays on these recordings? And what iconic duo sings these songs? Okay, I was feeling good until you rattled off all the accolades. I feel like it's Sam and Dave. Okay, that's the duo. Yeah, Sam Moore. So we're looking, that's that's the duo. So now oh, okay. uh, the other part is who is one of the credited songwriters on all of these songs who also won an Oscar and a Grammy for another Stax song from 1971? I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. So you didn't have an answer for the songwriter. Who is that house band that plays on the recordings? Booker T and the MGs. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an extra Are on any hand. of these words correct? <laughs> well, we're going to find out. Well, Helen is taking note of these answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure if you're oh correct or God. not. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a legendary vocalist who is a member of the Grammy Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and whose long career included several enormous hits with Stax Records from Sam and Dave. It's Sam Moore. <laughs> Okay. Hello, Mr. Moore. Hello, how are you? Hello, Sam. It's wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. At least I was saying Sam Moore. (laughs) You did say that. You did say that. Yes. Thank you for the out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sam, we're going to talk about your uh, music career in just a moment, but you actually have something in common with our previous expert that we have in that you also appeared in a movie with John Cusack. Yes. Um, What was that? That was called Tapeheads. Yes, it was Tapeheads. Can I can I butt in for just one moment? Yes, Christian. Very quickly. Not only do I remember you, Mr. Moore, from Tapeheads, they were in a band in the movie called The Swanky Modes, <laughs> which used to be my AOL password. Swanky Modes. <laughs> <laughs> You've got fans all around here. Then we had a uh, Motown artist 
along with me on that, too. That's right. That was Junior Walker, I believe. Yeah, that was unusual for a Motown artist and a Stax artist to, to appear together. Very, very unusual, yes. Well, we mentioned some of the songs that you made famous. You actually had 10 consecutive top 20 hits on the charts, with Soul Man winning the Grammy and being entered into the Library of Congress. Yes. Which is just, just amazing. When you were working with Stax Records, you were actually friends with a lot of the artists that we've mentioned. I think uh, Otis Redding was a, a close friend of yours as well? Yes. And I saw an interview where you, you said uh, you described him not so much as a singer and a crooner, but as a as a shouter. That was his that was his specialty. Well, you look upon Tina Turner, mm-hmm. Otis Redding. Those were shouters. Mm-hmm. You know, Big Joe Turner, shouters. Mm-hmm. Not everybody could shout, <laughs> but those people could. Even I couldn't shout. <laughs> yeah. Know? How do you describe what you did then? Hanging on, <laughs> <laughs> and then some. <laughs> doing the very best that I could to hang oh. on. <laughs> well, you've been uh, performing and touring all over the world. You've played command performances for the Queen of England. You've played at pretty much every amazing venue there is. I'm wondering, do any performances or venues stand out to you as, as being particularly special? The one that stands out the most I probably can share with you is mm-hmm. the one in England. Is that for the Queen or at the this Apple Royal at, Hall? Or? No, this was for her mom. Oh, okay. Oh, the Queen Mother. Wow. At that time, we performed at, in London. Mm-hmm. After we finished performing, the queen and her mom, you stand in line and you have a protocol. During the daytime, they give you a, a pamphlet to read, ask what to say, what not to say. Mm-hmm. I read it. So when she got in front of me, I, I, knew, I don't know, my mind went blank and I said, Hello, your queenship. I I, 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 I I didn't know nothing else. And she kind of smiled. And yeah. You could feel everybody wanting to go to the bath because it was so tickled, you know. And that's, I I, that's what I did. I, 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 I messed up. On a personal note, I found out that after you turned 80, you actually found out that you had a bigger family than you thought you had. Yeah. Uh, t- tell us about that. That's such an amazing story. All my young life. As a young fellow, young man, a young boy, I always thought I was an only child. After we had moved back from Arizona to Miami, we're sitting in the back, and my wife was uh, taking care of some business, and she came out, and I looked up, her whiteness had become whiter. (laughs) And I looked up, and she looked like she had seen a ghost. And I said, what's up? And she said, you have 11-piece sister and brother in your family. I said, who are they? She said, they are your brothers and sisters. Mm. Then I got dark and then dark. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, I have really enjoyed talking to them, calling them, getting to them, bonding with them. Wow. A lot of things we don't agree with. That's good. Yeah, especially <laughs> politics. Yes, yeah. especially politics. We yeah. don't, we don't know, we don't agree, but you know what? We still love one another. Your family. That that's amazing to go from thinking you're an only child to being one of eleven. It is. It really is, and, and I'm very, I'm, I'm very happy about that. That's great. Well, we're so happy you joined us. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here, as far as our game is concerned. You okay. heard the question that we asked of Audie. First, we wanted to know who was one of the credited songwriters on all of those Sam and Dave hits who won an Oscar and a Grammy for another Stack song from 1971. Audie was not able to come up with a name, but uh, who was that co-writer of so many of your hit songs there, Sam? Isaac Hayes. Isaac Hayes, who you mentioned before. His big hit winning the uh, Oscar and Grammy was Shaft, and he, along with uh, Dave, is it Dave Porter? Uh, co-wrote 
most of those Sam and Dave hits. That's what I was told. Yeah, David, no, that's true. <laughs> well, his last name was Dave Porter, not You're Prater. Right. Not Prater, who was the Dave of Sam and Dave. I can't get rid of those Daves, but yeah. that, <laughs> everywhere I go, everybody, even my yeah. middle name is David. So. Oh, no. They're, they're yes, it is. <laughs> and, and I've heard that you say that you don't think Isaac Hayes gets enough credit for all that he's done uh, in his career and for and for you. He never got the credit. Yeah. Anything as far as the horn line or the rhythm. This is a man that didn't read music. Mm. Everything came from his heart, man. You know, he ad-libbed stuff on piano that very few writers or arrangers can, can quote to, you know? Yeah. He has never, he never got the credit. I think people are aware of Isaac as a, as a performing artist and the persona that he had, but to, to look back at all of those hit songs that he wrote for so many different Stax artists, it really is something uh, that people should check out. Even coming down to doing things for Billy, Billy Eckstein. Big range. It was all hard, man. All hard. All right, well, no point there for Audie, but let's check out this next one. We wanted to know from Audie what Stax artist known as the Stax House Band played on these recordings of Sam and Dave. Helen, what did Audie say? Audie said Booker T and the MGs. She's and? directly right. Directly right. That's the best kind of right to be. There's a point yes, there for Audie. she's directly right. You actually got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the same class as Booker T and the MGs. 92. Yep, 92. Very, very cool. That must have meant a lot. And guess who else? Who was that? Johnny Cash. There you go. That's right. I, I think I saw a video of uh, Johnny Cash. Th this is a lineup. Johnny Cash and Booker T and the MGs and you singing uh, Soul Man on stage at the uh, <laughs> induction ceremony. <laughs> yes. I lost my word to him. I forgot. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, that's something we've learned is that when you're in a big moment, sometimes you forget, but it's that's okay. True. <laughs> but that's true. But it's okay. It's, we're, we're happy to celebrate. All right. And then finally wanted to know what was the iconic duo that sang all those songs that we talked about and heard. Helen, what did Audie say? Audie said, Sam. Sam and Dave. That's true. She is correct. As young as she is, she's correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. Audie, while we have our expert here, Sam, is there anything else you'd like to say or ask of him? First, this is such an honor to get to talk to you. And I have two questions, actually. Mm -hmm. One, I feel like a lot of artists, you included, but other people from that time, they came from the gospel tradition. Can you talk about a pop song or an R&B song? that to this day, all you really hear is the gospel version of it, mm. like the sort of history of it. Aretha Franklin and Sam Cooke. Mm -hmm. Even the songs that Sam wrote himself had that gospel. Mm -hmm. me, baby, was save me, Jesus, save me. Oh, wow. I love that, though. It's like a code. I felt like it was a kind of cultural code, because if you knew gospel... Mm -hmm. It would resonate with you. And if you didn't know gospel, right. the elements of gospel are what would resonate with Absolutely. you. The way that music can move I you. I agree with you. I do. I do. That's true. That's true. And, uh, and Audie, we're going to allow you a second question because this is such a special Oh, treat. my second question was to you and to people at the time, but from the inside, from the artist's point of view, what was the difference between Motown and Stax in attitude and, and, uh, and other things? What's your view on that? Barry Gordy had a vision, and that vision is to do what he did to make it not just for blacks and whites, but stacks. We were just trying to bring out the best artists to sing this song, to fit to the artists, to 
to perform to sell records. That was all it was. Very interesting. Well, gosh, it's been such a pleasure and a treat to have you. I know people want to find out more about you, Sam Moore. They can go to sammoore.net. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's Sam Moore. My friend, thank you. Yay. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you. All right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? Ooh, it is a tight game, J. Keith. At the end of that round, Christian Finnegan has eight points and Audie Cornish has seven points. Very nice uh, comeback by Audie after being down uh, zero. So very good. Yes. All right, now it is time for a final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Christian and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Christian, seahorses are a type of horse. False. Correct. Audie, seahorses are a type of fish. True. Correct. Christian, jellyfish are a type of fish. True. Incorrect. Ah! Audie, starfish are a type of fish. False. Correct. That's right. Neither jellyfish nor starfish have brains or backbones, which fish do. Christian, electric eels are a type of fish. Uh, true. Correct. Audie, yeah. moray eels are a type of snake. True. Incorrect. No, they're also a type of fish. Electric eels are a different type of fish and not considered a true eel, but they both are types of fish. Christian, honey badgers are a type of badger. True. Incorrect. Audie, honey badgers are a type of skunk. False. Correct. Christian, honey badgers eat honey. False. Incorrect. No, they oh, do. I'm they really joking. do. Audie, honey badgers <laughs> eat badgers. Uh, ooh, true. Correct. Yeah, rarely, but it has been documented. Yeah. Christian, honey badgers eat honey badgers. True. Correct. Yeah, they're probably they're carnivores. Audie, honey badgers taste like honey. False. <laughs> Correct. Christian, honey badgers don't care. That is true. Yeah, absolutely correct. And finally, Audie, I like to make jokes about viral honey badger videos from 2011. True. Yeah. <laughs> Getting yeah. the vibe. All right, we're not going to count the... <laughs> yes, yes, there you go. <laughs> Getting to know me. All right, we're not going to count those last few. I want to thank Christian and Audie while Helen tabulates the final score. By the way, while honey badgers are related to skunks and badgers, they are the only member of their taxonomic subfamily. All right, Helen, are you ready to announce the final score in today's episode? I am. It was such a tight game, but we do have a winner. At the end of the game, Christian Finnegan has 10 points and Audie Cornish has 11 points. Congratulations, uh... Audie Cornish. You are the facting champ on Go blah, Fact Yourself. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, can, can I just say, <laughs> if this was an 80s movie when that was going on, th yeah. that would have been the part where I, as the bad guy, would have been like, it, it, it's impossible. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and your girlfriend would go back to Audie because... Yep, yeah. Yep. Well, Audie, con congratulations, Audie. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship? Oh, wait. Are you going to give me anything? Oh. Nope. All right. Well, that just leaves everyone on the... Uh, <laughs> Call a chance to promote anything they might like to do. Christian, where can people find you and what you're up to? You can find me at christianfinnegan.com, which was updated as recently as a decade ago. And uh, <laughs> my latest special show, Your Work, is streaming on Amazon and YouTube and Apple TV and all that jazz. Please subscribe to my newsletter, newmusicforolds.substack.com. And if you live in or around New York, please come by and see a show at QED Astoria, qedastoria.com. Excellent. QED Astoria is a wonderful venue. I've been there before, and I recommend your special as well. Thank you so much for joining us, Christian Finnegan. Thank you. Audie Cornish, where can people find out what you're up oh, to? Oh, people can find me on Facebook and on Twitter. My handles are just Audie Cornish. And, of course, on CNN uh, and uh, CNN products, wherever you get your fine cable 
<laughs> and we'll look forward to your upcoming podcast, whatever it ends yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and still send names, so that's okay. Like, I'll, I'll take that. Oh, it is okay. But now. yes, okay. we will have a podcast coming out with CNN audio this fall. Excellent. Well, I hope your guests are as lovely as you on this show. Thanks so much for joining us, Audie Cornish. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is funny. She is Helen. She is Hong. Funny Helen Hong. Helen, where can people find out what you're up to? Hey, I'm going on the road. Uh, August 26th and 27th, I will be at Three E's Comedy Club in Colorado Springs. And September 2 and 3, I will be at the E.L. Theater in Maui, Wailuku, Maui. Mm. So come see me there and follow me on the socials at Funny Helen Hong. Because you know that other Helen Hong, she's not funny. Not funny, funny, not funny. But you are. You are funny. You are Helen. You are Hong. You are funny Helen Hong. Uh, And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith or on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Christian Finnegan, Audie Cornish, Diane Franklin, Sam Moore, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's happening again. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Our next show is Sunday, August 14th at KPCC in Pasadena with scheduled guests Drew Carey and Jessica Salgado. Then on Sunday, August 21st, we'll be in Las Vegas, Nevada with a whole bunch of game show legends, including Amy Schneider and James Holtzauer from Jeopardy and Victoria Gross and Brandon Blackwell from The Chase. See us there. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Dr. Curtis did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, I absolutely love the show and listen to every new episode as soon as I can. Hopefully I can catch it live someday on a trip to L.A. Thanks, Dr. Curtis. That's a prescription I want to see you fill. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Today's show engineer is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Clint Tauscher and Brian Phillips. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi and Christine Vallada. We want to acknowledge the contributions to our show from Dr. Milo Harpstead, whom we lost last month. Thanks for all your help. Special thanks to Joyce Moore, Jimmy Pardo, Jeremy Westby at 2911 Enterprises, Alex Manasseri at Warner Media, Garrett Cohen at CNN, and Tony Fletcher, author of The Midnight Hour, The Soul of Wilson Pickett, and Eddie Floyd's Knock, Knock, Knock on Wood, My Life and Soul. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go listen to Stax Records! And watch Better Off Dead? Sure, I'll watch it for the millionth time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.